my field daisies, welcome to the 8th episode of Daisy Days, the podcast. Today's life lesson is something that a friend told me a week ago that has really resonated with me, and that is to enjoy life uh, within our means. So it is a bit of a, I don't know if it's necessarily a sad statement, but it's kind of a truthful one in my opinion, because we oftentimes have these fantasies or hopes and dreams of becoming rich and famous or being able to take a private jet to a private island and live like celebrities lavishly and that we feel like our lives are unimportant or insignificant or just not as good as the other people around us. And it's not even just thinking about having a celebrity lifestyle. It can even be jealousy of a friend or a coworker or a family member that thinking that because they live in a certain location or they have a certain salary or a certain job that they must have it better. Sometimes you really just kind of have to take a step back and it's it's sort of a sad realization in the fact that yeah, I mean, some people are going to have more money than you. Some people are going to be living in more fabulous locations than you or have a more fabulous and fun job. But you can't really take that all into account. So when we were talking about enjoying life or when she was telling me about enjoying life within her means, it was mainly a realization that while she can't necessarily afford a trip to Europe, she can take a trip to the beach or New Orleans or even just enjoying what the local town has to offer, like going to happy hour at one of your favorite restaurants, etc. Or even just enjoying making a nice dinner or watching a movie that you really, really love or painting or reading a book, etc. And so that's something that I thought was really, really particularly interesting because I've sort of been in this cycle of wanting more, wishing for more, thinking that just because I'm back in my hometown that my life is not as glamorous anymore as when I lived in Los Angeles. But if I'm going to be honest, I'm a lot happier here than I was living in LA, surprisingly. LA was just way too expensive and way too spread out to really have the quality time of hanging out with friends like I do here. And so, yeah, it's it seems... Like I said, it seems like a bit of a sad statement, but it really isn't. You should really just try to enjoy life within your means. And while it is okay to strive to be better and to want, you know, more things, you really should try to enjoy life with with what you have and what you can afford and what you can do in terms of taking off of work and what time you can commit to things that make you happy and you can enjoy. There's no point in lamenting and wishing to have a fabulous life because in all honesty, you can't necessarily, with those social media, I think it is very toxic to think that those that have you know a glamorous lifestyle really have the best life, you know, because you always see the end product on social media. You don't see the person saving months and months of salary so they could go and take a week and backpack through Europe. You don't see necessarily all of the personal drama uh, between friends or family when you look at an Instagram 
post of someone drinking tea with the Eiffel Tower in the background. Or even when you see before and after pictures of weight loss, you don't see, you see the end result. You don't see the person struggling with self-confidence issues or eating issues or being bullied because of how much they weigh. And so I think that is something that is also really, really important to keep in mind that social media is not reality and it is, it is no, there is no point in thinking about if another person's life is better than yours because you never know the whole story. And so you really just can, you, the only thing you can really do is focus on your life, what is within your means and to really enjoy and savor and relish in the fact that you you have things that you can enjoy, um, even if it is just the littlest thing. And with that being said, this kind of transitions, I guess, in today's topic, which is the addition of a new streaming service. Disney is launching their version of, I would say, Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime this fall, this November, called Disney Plus. And so... They are making it quite affordable. I think it's going to be six ninety nine, uh, whereas Netflix is eleven ninety nine. So yeah, it's probably going to be within your means to purchase Disney Plus. And after reading about what is going, what it is going to offer, it might actually be a really, really good decision. So yeah, without further ado, let's roll the intro music. And for that wonderful intro song and hello again my field daisies so today's episode is sparked by this forbes article that i read yesterday and it is titled netflix has 175 days left to pull off a miracle dot 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 or it's all over and that is a very clickbaity title, so I had to see what it was about. And it was talking about how in November, Disney plans to offer its own streaming service called Disney+. Plus. Now, when I first heard about this, I was not particularly interested in it. I think the streaming market is very divided at the moment, and I just couldn't see why another competitor would be making that big of a fuss. But after reading this article, I am actually quite scared for the future of Netflix, because the thing is, Disney owns so many different companies that create content. In 2009, they acquired Marvel for $4 billion, and they have never lost any money on any Marvel superhero movie. They bought it for $4 billion, and now it has collected more than $17 billion. It also owns Star Wars and Pixar Animation Studios, National Geographic, The, Simpton, the Simpsons, Modern Family. And not only that, they have just recently made a deal with Comcast to take over operational control of Hulu. And it has, this is the first time Hulu has been under the control of a single company. So before it was controlled by NBC Universal and Fox, but they bought both of them out. And the deal that they've made is that it'll allow <laughs> Disney to be the operational 
part of Hulu for the next five years. So in 2024, they can uh, renegotiate the contract where Disney can compel Comcast to sell its stake or vice versa, Comcast can require Disney to buy it at a minimum valuation of $27.5 billion for the entire company. Now, under the terms of the agreement, Comcast has to license NBC Universal content on the service until 2024, and Disney, um, by the middle of 2020, has to allow some Hulu exclusive content to be streamed on Comcast's own personal um, streaming platform. That alone has made me particularly worried for Netflix and its future because the thing with the internet and how it has opened up the TV watching and film watching experience to put the control in the user, the ability of the plethora of choices to watch certain things distribution and dominance and distribution is very very fragile so for example a personal example for me is i love how i met your mother it is my comfort show it is the show that i can rewatch over and over again and i do rewatch over and over again for a while it was on netflix but then the distribution rights wore out or i guess they just switched over to hulu And so that was honestly one of the main reasons why I decided to go and bite the bullet and purchase Hulu on my own because literally of that show. And I know a lot of people are avid fans of The Office and Friends. And if those two TV shows ended up not being on Netflix, a lot of people would be less hesitant to pay the price that Netflix is wanting them to pay, which is around $11.99 for the most cheapest uh, streaming service, I believe. I think you can get two screens with that. So you can, uh, two people can watch Netflix at the same time with that package. Now, Disney is offering their Disney Plus package for $6.99, half of what Netflix is proposing or currently offering. Hulu in itself is also quite a lot cheaper than Netflix. It's at $5.99 for the cheapest package. And yes, there are commercials. And yes, you can pay $11.99 to have those commercials removed. But the ability of Disney, now that it owns Hulu, they are planning to package the whole deal along with ESPN Plus as well. And live TV for Hulu is quite expensive. I want to say it is $44.99 or something. But if it just plans on doing Disney+, Plus, ESPN+, Plus, and Hulu, that could be really appealing. They could, they could charge just as much as Netflix, around $12, for all three of these services. And it would be extremely appealing. Because the thing is... Disney plans on taking all of its content off of Netflix in November. So if you can just imagine that the Avengers, the Endgame is a huge, huge Marvel movie. If you can just imagine 
Disney Plus having Avengers Endgame on the same day that it is released in theaters. And while you can watch it in theaters afterward, what if the only way to watch it was on Disney Plus? You can't rent it from a DVD place. You can't buy it on iTunes. The only place you'll be able to watch that movie will be Disney Plus. And that's not even the, that is the tip of the iceberg of how much content that Disney owns. If you can just think about all the Disney classic movies, I don't know, uh, Cinderella, Pocahontas, Frozen 2, Tangled, Toy Story, all of these franchises that Disney owns will only be available on Disney+. Plus. They will have a tight hold on all of this content to start They're proposing that 7,500 television shows and 500 movies will be on Disney Plus in November, and it will include practically every film your children, you personally, will want to watch. And so that is the thing about Netflix. While they can spend all this money on creating their own content, Disney has been a huge player in the entertainment industry for a very long time and they have content and they are producing content that people love and people want to watch. Netflix has come to realize that it's it's more about original programming than it is about getting shows that people already love and want to watch. For example, HBO, they the last season of Game of Thrones has come out and the last episode was actually Sunday and 20 million people tuned in to watch. It was one of the most watched non-sporting events in television history. And if HBO is extremely expensive, like I only watched the first episode of Game of Thrones because I don't have HBO and I just, you know, I just couldn't watch it. But people are willing to pay the premium price for HBO because of its premium content. And I think that is where Netflix is trying to head with all of its original programming. So Stranger Things, Black Mirror, Queer Eye, all of these shows that they are investing lots and lots of money in. And while on the surface this sounds like a particularly good idea... The fact of the matter is that Netflix is currently in a lot of debt producing and developing these original shows. So in the last year, they've spent $12 billion developing original shows. It has released 88% more original programming in 2018 than it did in the previous year. So in 2017, they were not really focused on making original programming, but now that is seeming to be their main strategy. They're expected to hit $15 billion this year, 2019, on original shows and movies. It currently invests more in content than any other American television network. And to fund these new shows, Netflix is borrowing a huge sum of money and they are hugely in debt. They currently owe creditors $10.4 billion, which is 59% more than it owed this time last year. And no matter how much Netflix spends, it just doesn't seem that it has much of a chance to catch up with its biggest rival, Disney. It's almost as if you're trying to fight Goliath with a toothpick. 
Disney is already established, very established in the content creation business. And by owning Hulu, they have a strong hold on television content, cable television content. And who knows, maybe Netflix will be able to get enough premium content that they can charge the prices that HBO charges. But the market for streaming is becoming very, very split um, with Amazon Prime, YouTube Red. All of these services are striving to, to survive and remain relevant. And it is already such a outrage for Netflix to increase its prices by a dollar or two dollars. People are not happy with that. And so I cannot really imagine them doubling the price of their subscription. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the future of Netflix is headed, honestly, in terms of how they are going to go about with keeping their subscribers. Um, Because there are diehard fans of Netflix's original content. I love a lot of Netflix's original content. But if Disney starts pulling all of their content off of Netflix, the appeal of Netflix is is dwindling and becoming very, very small. That being said, I don't necessarily, I think the article that I read was a bit too clickbaity. I don't think Netflix is going to disappear in November once Disney Plus launches. That being said, in terms of a five-year plan, it's hard to tell where the future is headed. A lot can happen in the next five years. And now Disney is estimating that Disney Plus will have between 60 to 90 million paying subscribers by 2024. That's about 12 million new subscribers per year in the next five years. Netflix itself has added an average of 20 million subscribers a year since 2014. Disney has way better content and costs half as much. So the idea of them getting 12 million new subscribers a year is a modest estimate, actually. Um... It just it's it's just classic. Disney is so classic and it's interesting now that they are jumping into the streaming business. After reading these articles, it feels like such a good idea. Because while Netflix has drastically changed how we watch TV, it is the pinnacle, the start of the era of streaming. It didn't really change what we watch. Um, Their edge is really not sustainable, especially in the distribution market. Netflix has really, really grown incredibly um, by taking distribution away from cable companies. But in terms of content, it's still what we love and want to watch on TV. And they are trying new experimental things of creating interactive stories. Uh, I don't know if you've watched uh, the Black Mirror movie um, Bandersnatch. I think that's what it's called. Basically, it's an interactive movie where you get to get to choose and what the pl- what the characters do. 
which is really, really interesting, but it's, it's more of just a fun experiment. I don't think that everyone really wants that for every TV show they want to watch. We, we, we watch TV and film to relax and to kind of escape from the real world in a certain way. We, we like the passive viewing aspect of it. And while I definitely think that cable is on an extreme decline, um, I don't think uh, Netflix has the capability and power to replace television like Disney Plus and Hulu is currently doing. It's really, really interesting about cable, actually, because last year, half of Americans aged 22 to 44 watched zero hours of cable TV. Isn't that insane? Half have not watched cable in a year. And almost 35 million households have quit cable in the past decade. Now, more than half of American households subscribe to a streaming service. Uh, the media is calling this cord cutting. And so there is this huge, huge gap of um, TV, right? This huge gap of what is going to replace cable television. And it's not like we don't want to watch the shows that are on cable TV anymore. We personally just want the choice of being able to watch any season, any episode, whenever we feel like. Uh, we don't want to be tied down. We can't be tied down to a cable TV's schedule. It seems barbaric and archaic at this moment, especially how busy people are. And cable TV has tried to salvage this with DVRs and being able to record your favorite TV shows, but it is just so much easier to um, go on a streaming service and watch your favorite show and pick out which episodes you want to watch. Netflix has really, really been dominant thus far in having TV shows on a streaming service, but Disney owns a lot of that TV content. I mean, it owns ABC. Like it owns it owns um, ESPN. That's something that Netflix can never, never replace. Is the fact that sporting events is something that people that I think that is one of the only things that people still sit down to consume and enjoy and love. It is sporting events, and Netflix will never ever be able to get into that market. YouTube Red or is trying to get into that market with their live TV package, but I don't, I definitely don't think uh, YouTube Red is going to be something that people are going to strive to subscribe to, mainly because their content, I would have to say, is not that great. And while I love YouTubers like Anna Akana and Liza Koshy, I, I've, I don't necessarily think that their shows are worth it enough for me to subscribe to YouTube Red. So if Disney ends up offering ESPN+, Plus, um, I think that is a more appealing package than investing in YouTube Red. But I, I digress. Anyway, I, I am interest, I'm really, really intrigued and interested to see what is going to happen in the fall. What is the future of Netflix and if it can salvage um, and keep its subscribers with its original content because I think that is their the plan and where it is headed. 
but there there is a ceiling to the subscription threshold that people are willing to have their subscription services for everything now your food your shaving your um products your eye eye contact products everything clothes even there are so many subscription services these days and there is going to be a limit to how much people can spend per month on subscribing to services if netflix increases its prices it's going to be have to be very very subtle and very very um, calculated with its increase in prices because i think that is the only way it is going to be able to pay off all its debt that it is gaining with creating their original content that being said i really do love a lot of netflix's original content so i really do hope they stick around and even if they increase their prices i am going to most likely keep on subscribing because <laughs> that's the only where place I can watch Umbrella Academy and all of my favorite Netflix original programming. All right. So that being said, I really don't have any sincere shout outs this week. Like there aren't really any new products that I am digging or using. And so let's just skip all the quote unquote um, sincere shout out ads, ads that I'm not getting paid for whatsoever. And so let's just jump in straight into my latest media obsessions. I did not do this last week, so I do have a good bit. I am almost done reading the Artemis Fowl series. So I did a whole podcast episode on Artemis Fowl and how it was my favorite childhood book growing up. And I didn't read the last uh, three books. And so I bought them on Amazon and I'm currently on the last one. And I have to say the stories, like I would have to say the the books one through three of Artemis Fowl are very lighthearted, very kid adventure-y, I would say there isn't really much like there are high stakes but it feels like a um heist adventure it's 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 uh, it's definitely more lighthearted than books four through eight or nine is it eight or nine I think it's eight books, four through eight. And those, I don't want to give too much away, but like people die, people, you know, there's time travel involved where, you know, a lot of time is lost. I don't know. I could give a lot away. Honestly, these books have been out for a while. But yeah, the last book seems very, very dark. Opal Cowboy, um, the arch nemesis that has appeared in two books now. The last book is about her and her last big attempt to take over the world, sort of. And so I've been sort of savoring this book. I've been trying to read it a lot slower. And because the, the material is a lot more heavy and dense and sad, I, I don't really chew through it as fast as I have with the other books. A particularly interesting thing that I noticed is that the sixth book, it actually does a callback to one of the obscure short stories that were in the Artemis Fowl files, which is basically a book that had interviews with the characters at like a crossword and like two short stories or something. And all the other stuff is very kid-like, but the two short stories were really good. And the, uh, I guess the enemy in the uh, sixth book uh, is Commander Root's brother, and they did a whole short story about um, basically why he has such beef with his brother and Holly and etc. So I thought that was really, really interesting. 
Other than Artemis Fowl, I have been re-watching a lot of uh, How I Met Your Mother. Like I said, it is my comfort show, so every every few months or so, I would have to say, I go back and re-watch the whole thing. And I know it's really interesting, like a lot of people, like I wouldn't say, I don't know why it's my comfort show, to be honest, because I would have to say like The Office and Parks and Rec and stuff, I feel like they're more beautifully written and and and, and and How I Met Your Mother is very slapstick. It has a laugh track, etc. But I don't know. I, th- I feel like the stories are really clever. And it's just something that I grew. I, I really grew up on in a certain way. And I just have fallen in love with the characters. So I have been re-watching that. Always been keeping up with Modern Family and Bob's Burgers. Uh, both of those are on Hulu and they release new episodes every week or every few weeks. But yeah, that's another thing that's really interesting. Netflix doesn't really have that quality um, that Hulu has. And they they have like one show that I know, Patriot Act, which is a political satire show that releases a new episode every Sunday. But most of their stuff, they just release the whole season and you binge watch it so that that's another interesting thing i think that differentiates hulu from netflix and possibly from disney plus so yeah i've been watching a lot more hulu i would have to say than netflix so another two shows that i've been watching are (laughs) really uh trashy dating i love reality shows the bachelorette of course a classic the the girl um that is the bachelorette on this season is actually from alabama which is pretty interesting but she is a all alabama fan whereas i was born and raised in auburn so it is kind of annoying how often and they say roll tide it is very an eye roll but yeah I've just been watching that I don't really always watch the bachelor or bachelorette but I figured this season I would um one of my friends is really into it so we've been watching it together I've also been watching paradise hotel which is a basically like bachelor in paradise except there is a money element element involved so basically it is it is such it is like the epitome of a reality dating show. And it's basically the premise is that there are a group of girls and a group of guys that are in this hotel and you have to be paired with a person by the end of the quote-unquote checkout ceremony and if you're not paired with someone you are um, you have to check out of the hotel and the last couple standing I think wins a a half of a million dollars and so yeah bachelor in paradise does not have this money element and this money element really makes it interesting because at the because I think they're on episode three now but or maybe yeah I think episode three but the main (laughs) point of it is that like from the very beginning get-go uh so episode one had uh six girls and five guys and the very first thing they do is draw names and the girls pick guys to room with so they're already rooming with each other and then there's one girl that's left single and she basically has to steal a girl's guy or a guy from a girl and so yeah it is complete trash but very 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 entertaining and so I have been watching that as well 
I've been keeping up with Amazing Race, uh, my two favorite YouTubers, or just influ influencers, I guess, uh, Tyler Oakley and Corey Cool are still on it, so I am very avid about watching it. They're, uh, they were on The Amazing Race a couple seasons ago, and they're, so they're doing like a big reality showdown where people from Big Brother and Survivor are on The Amazing Race, and so it is really, really cool to see them on there. I don't, I don't know, like, when once they, if they get eliminated, I don't know if I'm going to be as religiously watching the show. Probably. I really do like The Amazing Race. If there was ever a reality show that I would want to be on, it would be The Amazing Race. But yeah, I don't really watch a lot of film, mostly just because, I don't know, like my attention span can't really, it's so lame, but my like I could watch hours and hours of TV, but when it comes to movies, I don't know, I just don't want to sit through it. Um, I don't fall in love with the characters as much because, you know, it, it's, it's just a one and done kind of story. But I did start the movie 21. It's on Amazon Prime. It's a really, really old movie about, it's a true story actually about this um, college student who basically joins this group to count cards in Vegas to basically pay off for med school or something like that. And yeah, it was one of my favorite movies growing up. And so I decided to watch it but then I stopped I didn't finish it but yeah what other media obsessions I'm trying to think of any songs that I've been really really replaying I don't know I, I think Ed Sheeran made a song with Justin Bieber and Ed Sheeran is by far my one of my favorite all-time favorite artists I don't really care too much for Justin Bieber but yeah I mean that song's pretty catchy and fun so I've been listening to that a little bit I mean it's everywhere now it's crazy how much of a pop star um, Ed Sheeran has become because I, 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 the my favorite album from Ed Sheeran is his first album. I would have to say that other albums I don't necessarily religiously uh, listen to all of those songs, but his first album was such a classic. I I love old school Ed Sheeran. I I even bought both of his EPs in CD form. I have them in my closet somewhere because I don't. The only time I could eat. Ever Ever listen to those EPs are in the car because that's the only CD player I currently own but all of his EPs are on Spotify now but it is like I don't own very many CDs but I do own both of his EPs and Cold Coffee is um is one of my favorite songs by Ed Sheeran that I don't think that many people know because they're not on his actual actual albums but yeah I guess last thing I want to talk about it's not something that I have been watching but Rick and Morty, my all-time favorite adult cult cartoon, just announced that they are going to have a season four this fall, and I am so so excited. I love it. I've been, I've that's another I guess <laughs> comfort show. I'd have to say. Um, so I've been rewatching some of those episodes. I don't know why I love that show so much. I do love sci-fi and fantasy a lot, and so I just think the show is just really really clever and really really funny. And so, yeah, I'm really, really excited about that. But yes, we have reached the end of the podcast. And yeah, if you really like this sort of content, I don't know if you want to support my creative dreams or whatever, I do have a Patreon. No, no, pa no patrons yet, though. But I do have really cool prizes on my Patreon. Uh, there's different tiers, etc. And honestly, if you just want to be the first uh, field daisy to join the Patreon, 
I'll just make you like, I don't know what I called the last tier. I want to say like fancy Daisy or favorite Daisy or something. But yeah, even if you donate like a dollar a month, I'll just go ahead and give you the the prize. I'm also going to try to start. So one of the tiers is you're going to get like a 30 minute or something podcast, an extra podcast a month that isn't necessarily about media. It's mostly just life stories or Q and A's or whatever. And I might just go ahead and start doing that and um, just make it available to everyone. Uh, So just stay tuned for that. I'll let you know if that happens. But yeah, like always, if you want to stay after the outro song to hear me read a poem, you totally can. But until then, uh, until next week, uh, love y'all. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a daisy-ish day. Hello, my poetry enthusiast field daisies. So today's poem is going to be about the death of a TV show since Game of Thrones is now over, even though people did not really like the finale from what I can tell from the internet. It is a hole in um, in our hearts, in our minds, and I wonder what HBO is going to do to fill that void. But yeah, without further ado... Death of a TV Show by Matthew Holloway We used to wait for each episode, week after week or months between seasons, the storylines and characters which kept us gripped, coming back for more. Second guessing, plot development, talking about our heroes and villains, they were always ours. The potential of romance and death, the cliffhangers that so often kept our breath held tightly. Thoughts more so could they escape or find the truth. What writing it was back then, a masterpiece of theater and story played out across our screens, followed by the conversations between friends days after each show. Oh... How brilliant it all was back then. Only it changed. The passion went away. The story became lost in a mire of forced messages and patronized the characters we loved. All died, replaced by lesser versions. We watched still for a while before leaving our show to the television funeral pile.